Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello everyone, my guest today is a maker of things, of photography, of films, of podcasts, of adventures, and through the adventures, both micro and epic, of stories. One such adventure of the epic variety last summer was to cycle 4,722 miles along the European Divide Trail from Arctic Norway to the Atlantic coast of Portugal, a feat that I believe only 12 people have ever undertaken before. It's a trip that they have documented in a beautiful photo book, Strangers Make Good Friends, a fitting title for a trip that was as much about relationships as about endurance. It's my delight to talk about all these things, including that epic journey with them today and to um, invite them to now introduce themselves in the manner of their choosing. Welcome to Running on Joy. Thank you. Hello. Yeah, I'm Jacob Martin. Um, Yeah, I make things and I try to make interesting things. Um, yeah, um, thank you for having me. That's a lovely way of introducing yourself, making interesting things. And I know you're talking to me today from Wales, which is where you grew up, um, I believe. And I was wondering kind of like what home was like then and whether your relationship to home has has changed. Um, yeah, so I grew up, um, I moved to Wales when I was five. Um, grew up in a little village called Mynclochog, which is sort of in the middle of nowhere, um, in the sort of hills in Pembrokeshire. Um, yeah, and I guess that was that was home. I'm not sure if I um, it was quite a long way from everywhere, quite a long way from people and friends and and stuff. Um, so I don't know. I don't always found sort of. I don't know if it was. I, I didn't feel that at home there. I guess. Um, like it was cool. I liked it. I can. I do and I don't. Like I've just moved from there this year to um sort of just 10 miles away and it sort of feels more like that is home now than it did before when it didn't sort of so much feel like home there but um I sort of always say though that um home is where my people are which is sort of um I feel more at home when I'm near my um my friends and the people that I I want to spend time with and adventure with and and whatever like that so I um I often sort of feel home is not a specific place but um it's sort of wherever those people are but um at the same time I do sort of do feel slightly like um this part of Pembrokeshire is kind of home because it's the place I know well 
and the place that I can show people around and um yeah um and explore and know every little part of so it's sort of the landscape in a more kind of nebulous sense rather than it being defined by one particular place that you're at. yeah I think so yeah it's I don't know it's no it's yeah it's not we never felt like a specific point or um yeah it's always felt um yeah a lot more a lot more open and different and um wherever I feel comfortable and relaxed um which is usually around certain people and friends and yeah I mean your blog and your website is also called mid nowhere so that kind of has that sense of being in between as opposed to being in a definite place even if that place is remote (laughs) and totally yeah do you have a sort of do you have feelings around that idea of being in between um I I don't know I I sort of feel like I've never sort of entirely fitted in but I think that's I also I think I read somewhere it's like you either can fit in or you stand out and um I don't think I particularly stand out but I'd, I'd like to try and at least have my work sort of stand out so I guess it's not necessarily a bad thing to not fit in entirely um but um yeah but I think that's just sort of part of me in the middle of nowhere I grew up in the middle of nowhere and I enjoy spending my time in the middle of nowhere um so I like doing it with with people there um but um yeah there's just something about that sort of that that space um that I, I like um Thinking yeah. about that sort of notion of being in between as well, you're someone who moves in a variety of ways too, as well as creating in different ways. You kind of move in in different ways in in the outdoors. And has that always been something that's been part of you? And do you find that you can kind of explore different aspects of your personality by those different movement practices? Um, I don't know. I. I I guess so yeah I think I think moving in different ways is is sort of you get different things from them um on a bike you go faster than you go walking um which is you can see more things you can go further you can t- get more places um but you can't stop and look as much as you do when you're walking um walking you can see so much more but you can't travel as far. You can't see so many places. Um, it's it's more tiring on your body. Or then you can go. I can go in the van, and I can go much faster. I can go much further. It can be more comfortable, and I can have more space and time to do the other things and um, take photos and write and whatever. Um, but you do see a lot less when you're traveling. But you can stop and stay in a place more easily um so yeah I guess um I guess those also then do the different bits of my personality like you say what sort of came first for you growing up was it biking climbing walking and what kind of gravitated you towards those outdoor pursuits aside from being in the middle of nowhere in Wales (laughs) (laughs) needing some things to do yeah as a family we always always cycled and walked and spent time outside and um, yeah, we always had bikes and, um, yeah, I don't know, I, I remember, yeah, we, I don't know, when, when it sort of started, just as soon as you could start riding a bike and 
when before we moved to Wales, we just rode around the little car park by the house, and I'm sure we went further and and whatever. I can't remember. It's oh, so young, but then yeah, in Wales, I remember cycling more as as a family and um and obviously walking. Um, but I don't know. They were never like I do them now, I guess. But um, they um, yeah. And then I I think I started climbing when I was fifteen, so that definitely came later. Um. But then I think that was that was the one I did. I think that's when I started climbing. I sort of um, gained more of my friends or my first proper friendships. Friend, not proper, but proper friendship groups and people I would I would spend more time with. Um, not just the people I I went to school with. Um, and then from there I've met. I think climbing. I've met lots and lots of people and um those people I've gone lots of places with and um traveled with and yeah those that's the one I think that started with the most um the most intense and the most has done the most um initially though it was the one that came last I was cycling and walking and everything before then um yeah um but yeah they're all they're all sort of different and I enjoy doing them all differently and yeah um, and you mentioned there again about about friendship and that's clearly something that you return to again and again in both your image making and, and your writing and obviously that the photo book itself is called strangers make good friends and I was just wondering if you could sp- expand a little bit more about kind of the importance of friendship what it means to you and whether also kind of how we behave in friendships perhaps then how that reflects how you've interacted with strangers as well and then that they've become friends along the way yeah. too <laughs> yeah I guess I think I think the friendship thing for me is like I feel on my own I'm not very good at doing a whole lot like I feel I'm not good at doing things on my own um I don't enjoy doing things on my own I think I need to get better at it but um I think you can I don't know maybe only to an extent I can um I can enjoy it but yeah going and for me doing things with other people is 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 so much better sharing the experience um you can't you can't ever explain even with the best storytelling the best pictures the best writing to someone like you can share that story with them there them you both experiencing it um yeah when you're telling a story with someone else it's it's always so much more than when you try and just explain it on your own um and I think it's um it's like two people together like one plus one equals more than two it's you've got yeah there's something something bigger um about having more people and sharing it um and everyone we've ever met except maybe your mum was was a stranger <laughs> once like um so like everyone who's your friend everyone you've you've enjoyed spending time with it, it was once a stranger so everyone could be a friend um some people are never going to be your friend you can but you can still um interact with them and and have a a good chat with them, learn things from them. Um, even even people who are completely opposite 
side of um, opposite views. Um, you can you can have a good chat with them. You can have a laugh. You can um, learn things. You can learn good things. You can learn bad things. You can um, you can get a lot. Um, and just because you don't match in one way doesn't mean you can't have something in another way. Um, it doesn't mean you should be friends with them or you want to spend lots of time with them. Um, but these other people out there, you they could be. And um, I'm definitely not the best at speaking to strangers. I, I'd like to be better. It's always something I want to get better at. Um, I got some friends and people who are really good at it. Um, Max, who joined in the start of the cycle, can just talk to anyone, anywhere. <laughs> like um, he doesn't always talk sense, but um, <laughs> he um, he's very good at just speaking to anyone. Um, some guy I met last week in Ireland was um, really good at, at, at just starting up a conversation with with strangers, and I'm not quite as as good as them, but like I I enjoy it, and I think it's important to do, and it's something I'd like to get better at. And I guess often we miss a lot of friendships just because we don't catch the right moment or we don't say hi when we should say hi or we just we just pass them in the street and there wouldn't have been a, a, a any reason for us to chat to them. Um, but um, when there is a possibility, then it's you, it's good to be able to try and grab it and um, and you never know what could happen. Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting how you, you touch on that and then in, in the first part of your answer as well, we're kind of reflecting on this notion of us not being simply a second pair of eyes <laughs> in a friendship. You know, we have yeah. that expression of, oh, I, you know, getting a second pair of eyes on something is really positive, but actually you're getting a whole network of eyes because people are an accumulation of so many different experiences and interactions and the people that they've met as well, that actually mm. seeing someone as a plural rather than a singular, which I guess we're kind of embracing in society as a whole in terms of seeing people as multifaceted yeah. things and you don't have to be one thing or the other. But actually that also makes you more open, as you say, when you're sitting down with someone, you're not just seeing them as well, that one decision that you made or this one thing that you think, you're actually opening yourself to different aspects of them and then allowing that to kind of be your be your entry point. Kind of thing. Yeah, I don't I don't think I think that's sort of yeah how I, I'd like to. I'm not always I, I don't always do that as well as I'd like. I'm always sort of um oh F the Tories, this, that. And it's like I I and I I actually a lot of these people who who vote in a certain way and this and that are they're not bad people they just they know something um they see it in a different way um or they might they might they're just disillusioned or got different information or or they're not maybe i'm the one that's disillusioned um and um and as much as I'm sort of, oh, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, not them. Um, I hate the Tories. And it's like, no, like, and even if I do, like, there's no point. Like, um, you need to sort of bring them on your side and um, and chat to them. And when you do chat to them, they're perfectly good people and they're nice people and 
Um, I'm sort of rambling a little bit, but I think my I've conveyed. I know you know what I'm saying is sort of um, they. It's better just to to chat to them and and share your views and and give them different information, get their information, and you can both see things differently. Because even if yeah, you do, if you don't like them, you you definitely think they're wrong. It's like actually you want them to vote the way you think or, or think differently it's like you need to bring them on your side you need to be nice to them um they're yeah they're not necessarily bad and that that then it's not just a political thing i think that fits into different um aspects of life and different people we meet and um yeah not everyone is a good person but everyone has the potential of a, a guest in good stuff and yeah as I say I'm not I'm not the best for for necessarily practicing that um but um certainly something I, I'm trying to get better at yeah but we can all we can all be reactionary and I mean that's something that I and that's why friendship is so important as well right because it can act as a sounding board I'm doing it a lot more where maybe I see something where I think oh my goodness like that is ridiculous that's stupid and then start thinking in my head this person is stupid and actually before I start kind of mm. getting on my stories mm. and writing this is an outrage and yeah. I sort of send it to a friend and say okay I'm this is obviously triggering me and I just kind of want to get your perspective on it and then have a mm. conversation about it because actually maybe I'm not seeing it from this perspective and kind of testing yeah. those ideas and owning kind of my immediate reaction yeah. <laughs> and then being able to kind of see it from different perspectives through having that conversation. But that's only because I feel that that friendship is strong enough that I can, I can air those views yeah. and, discuss it, and then yeah. actually I can then go back to it mm. and have a sort of a public yeah. opinion about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i and all the the getting a little bit angry and stuff is not necessarily bad either like you've got to go someone's an idiot sometimes you need to shout you're an idiot like <laughs> um I, I, but you can't continue shouting it forever because it's they know they're an idiot now they don't <laughs> they, how can they change how can they get better i guess and you touched also, um, just just before we were talking about this, about kind of how uh, sometimes it's about sort of reflecting on ourselves as well um, in relationships. And sometimes I think we can kind of, we can shy from from friendships and, and love um, because we don't necessarily feel that we're kind of, we're worthy of it. And I was wondering if that's something that resonates with you. And there was a nice piece of writing that I, that I saw on your, website which was about kind of considering ourselves as a hot ticket <laughs> and I was wondering <laughs> um like how, how have you and how do you think others can kind of come to have more of a yes I am a hot ticket relationship with I am um, I think actually I'm <laughs> I'm the one that needs the advice because that was advice <laughs> that was advice from Anna to me um and that I need to believe in myself more in that um in that sense um and um yeah i struggle to believe that um i struggle um yeah i but yeah i'm sort of i i kind of i know that it's true but i struggle to believe it um 
I forget. I thought something of the day it crossed my mind, and it's it was sort of an example. It was a a friend um um jumping in the sea. They she was really um adamant in her head that jump in the sea. She's not going to jump. It's going to be cold. It's going to be horrible. Um and she jumped in the sea and it was cold and it was horrible and yeah and I think that's because she didn't believe in her head that it was going to be really nice and it was going to be because it was fine like it was she's jumped in the sea plenty of times it was no colder or 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 less pleasant than normal um and I guess that's the same sort of thing um that it's slightly you you believe it's true and it sort of becomes true um in i guess the same way as a placebo or something maybe um i don't know um but I, yeah I, I, that was anna's advice um you are a hot ticket um <laughs> that, that i think a friend of hers i don't know if a friend of hers came up with it or something like that a friend of hers told her um yeah um it's it's something i need to i need to spend more time in in trying to believe um about myself um and I I don't know I, what I struggle is it, it's sort of there's there's delusion um or or arrogance in in you could have in believing in yourself too much um I don't want to go yeah, I'm great I'm the best because I don't think I am um I don't know certainly I think in in art at least is if you ever think what you've made is 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 good then it's it's probably not good at all um if you if you can if you can't see um the things that are wrong with it the imperfections the things that could be improved then you've reached a point where you can't get any better um because if next time if you it's perfect. I can't do any better. Then you can't get any better because you don't know what to improve. Um, so yeah, that's sort of. I, I don't know. I that's that's where I, or some of the bits I struggle with with, um, believing in, in in things. Um, it's interesting because things are never, and I, I assume that you've probably found this on adventures and things as well, things are never as we project them to be, you know, they are never that perfect sunrise to to reference totally. another project that you've done. And I wonder kind of, do you, do you see sort of those scrapes and things not going right as opportunities? And, and was that some of the ideas that fueled that, film project where you you got up every morning didn't you yeah. was it in October and, and yeah. went to document a sunrise I think yeah I think I think one of the things I wrote on my blog is perfect isn't perfect mm. um perfect things aren't perfect and imperfect things uh, can be perfect um it, it I it's I don't know one of the things I do I always I shoot pretty much all my photos on film because one of the reasons is it's imperfect um you take a digital image and a lot of people these days are adding imperfections to it because the image is too perfect um you you don't you, you well the bike trip if it all went smoothly nothing went wrong um no bikes broke um then we wouldn't have learned anything we wouldn't have learned how to fix those things we wouldn't have had to interact with people in bike shops and 
try and make phone calls in in foreign languages and um and all those things we wouldn't have met these people we wouldn't have um got the help we wouldn't have had the laughs of me holding on the side of a pickup truck because my my bike's broken and I can't pedal anymore um <laughs> there's so many things you get from from imperfections that mm. make it perfect um and yeah so I think in in almost everything perfect isn't perfect um like a, a fancy hotel is 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 not as good as sort of waking up in a tent and seeing the sunrise because yeah the 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 hotel's warmer and cleaner and but yeah you can't you're not on top of a hill to see the sunrise mm. um without sort of the lows that you can't have the highs like um on the cycle ride again we had recycled the north was quite flat um Denmark was super flat the north of Germany was very flat um and it's really nice it's quite um easy cycling um there's no big climbs you're not so tired but you don't get to see the views you don't um get the same thrill going downhill for fast for hours you don't see the sun rises the sun sets you don't have those so many amazing things as, as nice as it was it was really nice I enjoyed that north bit but it wasn't as as interesting as in the south where there was a lot of hills so it was harder in the south it was it was much there were much more days of pushing bikes up hills for hours um more cuts and bruises and um and discomfort and days we didn't get very far um but those those were more interesting days those are the days the stories you remember mm. um yeah so I think yeah the more ups and downs then yeah the more interesting it is um level is is easy um it's it's pleasant but it's it's not interesting um and I guess the ups and downs are imperfections and um yeah those imperfections make it perfect um and is that what draws you as well in in your photography in particular um to document people because you you conspicuously kind of shy away from those sort of grand landscape shots <laughs> that can kind of be put in a as sort of a, in a brochure of somewhere yeah. or um you know that are immediately kind of instagrammable in a way um and instead you'll there's a real sense of for someone who says you know that that actually kind of building relationships is quite difficult I think that you are probably an example of kind of actions or at least creativity speak louder <laughs> than words because your photography is kind of filled with this kind of closeness and familiarity and care towards your subjects and it kind of it sort of speaks of embracing that messiness that mm. comes with people <laughs> yeah, really yeah. and and do you think that kind of that draw towards those kind of perfect imperfections is what then informs what you choose as your subject material. I I guess so, yeah. Um, I guess to an extent. I think 
I photograph people because people is what I find interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people are interesting to me. They're what I connect with. Does it to do with the imperfections? I guess so. Like, um, people are imperfect. The, the things we do are imperfect. I, I don't know. I, yeah, um, I think it must be part of what makes um, people interesting to me is their imperfections, the the different things. I, the, the perfect photos are, are boring, like all those Instagram photos, the same little person, big landscape, orange sky. It's boring. Like it's it's lovely, but it's boring. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't tell you anything. You don't learn anything. You can't gain anything from it. Um, but a photo of a person you can connect with, it's they're more interesting. Um, to me, at least. Um, I don't know how other people see it. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? How, you know, you, you kind of say, oh, another photo of a mountain or a desert or whatever it is, and it actually detracts from the awe of those things. It, mm. it kind of belittles them in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's not about a real a real relationship and interaction with them which are yeah. those moments that you can't predict and mm. you don't know when you're going to feel moments of awe um or that kind of all those feelings of insignificance that elicit awe um which might be small person big mountain we went to we we're an island last week um we went there to go climbing and um we went to an island called Inishmore but we we're on the mainland and the mainland's just by where we took the boat is um there's these cliffs of moha and um you will have seen photos of them on instagram there's thousands and thousands of photos of these massive cliffs they're really beautiful but i would never been there before it was raining the day before we were going to get the ferry so we can't climb we'll go and have a look and you get there and it's sort of it's kind of boring like <laughs> you've seen this view a thousand times before um and there's all these tourists looking at it. it's like amazing it's like yeah, it's kind of it's a cliff like um it's a beautiful place but like um yeah I don't know I didn't I don't yeah I don't get it sometimes um, mm. it's almost like you're seeing it at a distance and through too many eyes in a way rather yeah. than having your own personal experience with it's it it's not new it's not creative um there's no sense of exploration or um you don't have any any wonder I guess the only yeah I guess I had a little bit of wonder there because I was like what is it actually like when you're here compared to what you see on the internet but that's sort of a slightly um I think they would I don't like the word but meta sort of way of seeing it um, <laughs> is it real <laughs> is this real is this, it's like seeing this thing from yeah no um <laughs> yeah um, talking of what's real let's um let's flip to telling the story of um the european divide trail because yes. i'm quite interested in what bridged that gap in your mind between that's the kind of cool thing to do <laughs> to going and being like is it real and actually actually doing the thing yeah um i don't know i think i so I, I like I saw it initially and I was like, I really want to do that. 
but I can't do that. That's too big. That's not, I can't, I, yeah, I, that's way more than I can do. Um, I'm, I've never ridden for months on end. Um, it's super wild. It's, I can't do that. I, I'll do that in the future. Um, and told people about it. This looks cool. Yeah. And then I don't know, something, I sort of realized that, um, I, I always, whatever I say, the only thing, um, the only way I can fail is by not, um, not following my ideas. Um, if I do, if I have an idea and I want to do it and I don't do it, then I've failed or don't try, don't give it a go. So, um, I think if I, um, if I hadn't have gone and done it, I would have, I would have failed. And I knew that if I just put it off, I would never do it. Um, I don't know. I just real. I sort of came to the realization that I have just got to, got to go for it. Like think what's the worst thing that can happen is like, it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm not like in a place where I can't get rescued. Um, my friend Max joining me for the first bit through the, the bit that I imagined is the most um, wild and out there. So the worst thing that can happen, I get on a train back to the nearest city and fly home. I'm like, I'm less than a day from home, like <laughs> almost wherever I am. Like you can, yeah, it's, and you can ditch the bike or leave it with someone and, and get home. And it's like, actually, there was almost, and I was thinking about this earlier, I was like, I'm not a risk taker in any way. Like, I never took a risk there, in in my view. Like, the worst thing that can happen is not that bad. Um, so, yeah, I, was, I could just had to go for it. Like, I had no excuses. If there's no risk, then there's, there's no excuse. Like, um, and I had the money and I had, I can... I can cycle, like I've got a bike, I've got most of what I need. So just go for it. And yeah, it seemed to work. What was the importance of starting it with Max, apart from the fact that he's good at, you know, talking to strangers <laughs> in pubs or whatever? <laughs> um, I I think um I think with anything, starting is the hardest part. Mm. Um a lot of people have said that in the past, and I think it's true. Um and it was a bit big and scary to go to this place that knew nothing about it seems a long long way away um and it's easier to go with someone and I like I said earlier I don't like spending time on my own so um going convincing convincing someone to come with me was um was made that a lot easier um and Max Max was the only person who um who was like yeah I'll come plenty of other people were like yeah sounds good uh let me know and were people people say they'll come a lot but don't come but Max um thankfully and grateful to him for it was um was true to his word um and it was it was great yeah it it wouldn't have yeah I would have been super scared to go and it would have been way harder on my own and I don't know what I would have done um don't know what I'd done when we got to Kirkinez and our bikes didn't turn up if I was if I was on my own. But with Max and me, yeah, it's fine. I I can do anything. It's we're there's no problems. 
on my own, I would have, I don't know what I would have done. I would have, I'd have been quite <laughs> worried, but we were, we were fine. And what was that moment? I'm quite interested in these moments that we start something and yeah. something I touched on with a, with a previous guest, uh, George, of kind of standing at the, the beginning of an adventure and actually you put a foot forward or you you cycle a little bit forwards. And what was that feeling like of, of starting this huge thing? It was It was exciting and new and different and... Um, we, we we just met Anna, and I was like, "Whoa, this is this is crazy." Um, finishing was certainly an anticlimax in a way. Initially, it's like, "Oh, I'm done. Cool. Uh, I I'll go home then." <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's like this thing that you've spent every day for months. It's like we're going to get to this spot in Portugal, and then suddenly you're there, and it's like. Oh, um, cool. I don't sure if I. Yeah, you don't know. Like this thing you've wanted and wanted, but it's it's not a thing. Like it's um, it's obviously amazing to do, but it's sort of slightly weird. It's like whoa, my goal has now disappeared. Um, but the start. No, I found the start exciting and interesting, and it was new things happening. And oh, where do we camp? What can we do? um new people which means new conversations and um yeah um it was exciting yeah and you mentioned that because I'm I'm curious to explore this you started with the two of you yes and very very quickly <laughs> became a three <laughs> yeah so what happened there so we started we flew into a town called Kirkinas which is about 60 kilometers from the start of the the trail um you you ride from the from Kirkinez to Grenze Jakobsov, um, and then you actually ride back past uh, Kirkinez. Um and so we flew flew to Oslo on the first, Kirkinez we reached about midday on the second of June. Um and then our bikes didn't turn up on our flight. They turned up nine hours later, like nine pm, um, and um, we were ex- yeah. So we were gonna we were half a day later than we were planned. We were gonna ride from from Kirkinez to the start that on the second, but we ended up leaving on the morning of the first, um, and um, then yeah. So we we left the bought some groceries in Kirkinez and cycled to the start got there, did the 60k, got there, I don't know, lunchtime. We were having lunch there. We um we went for a little dip in the sea at the start, um, because you're not often sort of um got a chance to sort of dip in the in the Arctic. Um it's not technically Arctic, but close enough. Um well, it's not technically the Arctic Sea. It's the you're in the Arctic. So we swam in the sea and then yeah, we're just sitting there eating lunch, just like we're gonna start this thing. And then um then Anna came around the corner and she had it. So we're literally at the start line and she had all her kit. And I'm like, there's only one place she could be going. And and she was going, doing the same trail as us. And yeah, we just got a chat and didn't sort of know what was going to happen. Didn't know we were going to cycle the whole time. Um, yeah. And then 
we finished our lunch, packed up, whatever. Anna went for a swim, I think. We're all ready to go. I'm like, let's um let's start cycling south then, I guess. And and we all started cycling south together. Um and then we camped that night together and continued the next day. And yeah, we just continued going together and then um sort of three weeks later max left and me and anna just continued riding so we um yeah we um then yeah just just kept riding and until we got to portugal um yeah do you think your experience of the journey would have been different if she hadn't have joined oh totally yeah i would i would have i don't know what i would have done on my own i <laughs> i I, Max would probably have left and maybe, maybe I would have got to Gothenburg and then, I don't know, maybe I'd have cycled somewhere else in search of other people or I don't know what would have happened. It would, I, I, I very much doubt that I would have got to, got to the end of the trail. I sort of never believed at the start that I was going to get to the end of the trail. I sort of was like, yeah, that'd be cool, but it's a long way and I'll see where I get and see who I meet um if I meet anyone or maybe I'll spend a couple days in this place go to a hostel meet people there or um but then when I met Anna Anna was like yeah I definitely want to get to the end and then like I was like cool we'll get to the end then um we'll put us put every effort we can into getting to the end um if we do we do if we don't we don't but like yeah let's go for it and um yeah so if I was on my own I I don't know I would have I wouldn't have had anywhere near as good of a time or um, I wouldn't have enjoyed it anywhere as much. And I, I would have almost certainly ended up going other places or um, not, not staying for so long or yeah, I've no idea it would have, would have been completely different. And there's also, as well as like the relationships that you built um, with people, there's the relationship with the, landscape as well and and you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation about kind of how moving on a bike can be different to to walking and I was wondering kind of how what your experience was like moving in this way through Europe and kind of whether it, it changed your relationship to to nature and to the sort of like the physical land that you're going through too um yeah it was it was interesting it was interesting to see the change um in the north it's too cold for things to grow in the in the south it's too hot for things to grow um it's and you go through everything in the middle then you go through all the farm fields of of denmark and germany and and france um and yeah that i think that was super interesting was the the difference between the the cold and the and the the hot like the snow had only left two weeks before we arrived in in the north and in the south it was it was well over 45 degrees um which yeah that was that was interesting um it was interesting to see the different architectures and the way things had happened and one thing i did find interesting is in the in the north in the remote parts of sort of sweden finland is is everyone had everything they needed to fits and um and do anything anything to their their cars and and their houses and everything um you'd see like engine lifts outside of sort of houses or farms because they'd have to fix their own cars because 
the nearest garage is miles away and the, the shops there would you could buy anything you wanted because like you can't just drive to the the town and 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 get anything or get it delivered quickly there's a one sort of supermarket and you can buy your groceries you can buy your guns you can buy anything you could ever possibly need to survive out there um not anything but like all these things in one place um and they all can fix their things and and everything um whereas you get into a city and it's just fast fast go 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 oh we can just buy a new one we can get it delivered in an hour um what's the point in fixing it um i found that interesting um you sort of noticed that um yeah and i think i yeah another thing i wrote in the, in the book is civilization isn't civilized and that was sort of i guess that's part of it um use this civilization uh you throw it away and buy a new one that's, but that's not very civilized um you you can't leave your bike out without a lock on it because it'll get stolen um you can't drink the water from the rivers because it's not clean whereas outside in the in in the middle of sweden you can just drink the water straight from the river you can leave your bike there um you can do all these things it's yeah it's a lot more um civilized um it's it's people are nice there's no no racism there's no hating people there's it's just you're out there you're in the wilderness um or, or whatever and it's yeah um it's a good place um, that's a really interesting reflection that we've sort of built these places that in order to to make homes and actually mm -hmm. they're places that don't support our existence really and that actually the places yeah. that we identify yeah. with as being wild and in inverted commas it's like we we're meant to exist in those spaces and yeah. can do so without very much whilst these built-up areas that you know we we identify as you know habitable like, yeah they're really not we, no. we kind of ostracize no. ourselves from ourselves it's quite weird like sort of in a big city and things and you go into a nice restaurant or something and all that they're trying to do is recreate the pleasantness of of the outdoors of countryside of of it's it's fake all of it really like it's um which is weird and obviously it's sort of we have such huge populations that it's it's impossible to we can't all live in the wilderness off the land and um quite like that um but yeah it is it is interesting how these these towns and cities are actually really not good for life um yeah yeah and we talked about um you know there's obviously the friendship that evolved with with Anna and the one that you know you started the journey with Max but mm. for someone who's very human focused as well what did you learn about humanity through the journey I, I one thing I did I realized when we were we were outside this shop in 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 Spain in a little village in Spain and I was outside the shop Anna was in the shop buying her stuff and I was just packing my stuff away and in, into my bike and um 
and this this woman speaking to me in Spanish, this this older woman um, from the village, just the house we were we were next to, um, and she um, was speaking to me in Spanish. And I'm like, no hablo español. <laughs> she spoke to me for like five minutes or so, like clearly understood the words when I said no hablo español, but didn't really understand that was a thing. Um, yeah, then Anna comes out like that. Anna speaks Spanish, and and yeah, um, we chatted for a bit, and um, and she was telling us we should go on the motorway, and we're like, we're not allowed to ride our bikes on the motorway. Um, <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but um, yeah, and then and then she went back and spoke to her husband, and she told us that we should we should if we can't go on the motorway, we should go to this town, and we're like, no, we that's the opposite direction to where we've come if we're going to Portugal and you sort of realize that people don't sort of they don't understand a lot of people don't know really where they live in that country um and um which is interesting um they certainly I, I bought a map in in the end not for navigation but for um just showing where we're going where where we started where we're going because it's hard to explain um, um, yeah, and I found it interesting the the things you learn about people and how they see their little space and oh wow, that's a long way away and um, yeah, um, but this yeah, this one was also really kind. She gave us this this pot of fig jam, um, which is super kind. It's slightly impractical to carry on a bike for a, but um, yeah, and then and then finally this guy from down the road somehow found out about about us and he came up with these little juice cartons too um <laughs> which we took gratefully as well um and then later five minutes later he comes back with like two liters of milk <laughs> we're like oh, wow, we can't carry or drink two liters of milk certainly not in 45 degrees um yeah um but yeah they were super kind but it was it was interesting how people don't don't really everywhere in the world I think um don't quite know where they live in the world or or even in their own country um yeah actually I don't know if that's a bad thing or not but it's um I find it interesting um as, as someone who has always looked at maps and oh I'm there and that's there and um and always wanted to go to these places and see them and yeah Maybe we're always all, all of us are kind of mid nowhere in a way. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and you've mentioned a few things about learning from or making stories from at least when things don't go right. Um, and even that little anecdote with the woman not necessarily being able to point you where you wanted to go, but but then showing so much kindness with the with the fig jam and and learning something from that and I, I'm curious kind of if there's any other takeaways or instances that then form stories that have stuck with you from when things haven't gone right oh what things didn't go right we came across a motorcyclist that had crashed that wasn't going right for him um uh yeah a friend uh, this other guy steve who we met who was cycling um part of the trail um he was like an hour ahead of us this morning and he um he found a um 
Um, and we, we came around this corner later and saw this motorcycle and then Steve's bike. And there was, he was sitting there and it's like, that's strange. And he'd found this motorcyclist who'd crashed like three kilometers away and then got, he'd lost his phone and everything and got back on his bike and until he found Steve and was trying to call an ambulance, call an ambulance. And this guy was all bloodied up and broken ribs and smashed teeth. And um, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, he got, got an ambulance and, and everything. Um, so yeah, that didn't, that's something um, quite interesting and quite sort of like, well, things can, things can go wrong out here. Like we're sort of 40 kilometers from the last town, 40 kilometers to the next town. Um, but um, yeah, and it's like, oh, I should really know how to do some first aid and really like, um, we are in a remote place. And, um, but also you're not in a remote place because the ambulance turns up even in these dirt tracks in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, it ended up like a little fire truck, four by four turns up, the ambulance turns up, a police car turns up and then a full on fire truck turns up. You're like, whoa, this, this little sort of, bit in the middle of nowhere is suddenly like everything's here in like in an, in an hour like um yeah um I don't know if that answers your question but um but I guess we can never we can never predict what's going to happen and I know you said that you know you hadn't you hadn't ridden a bike for days and days at a time you didn't know how to do particular things but do you think kind of on reflection that we can we can never really be prepared for journeys like this totally yeah I don't I think almost almost nobody actually knows what they're doing like pretty much no one knows what they're doing people you look at and you think that person knows what they're doing they don't know what they're doing um and but yeah I think you just you have to have a little bit of naivety to go um yeah let's go for it um don't think about it too much if you think about it too much you'll talk yourself out of it um you'll talk yourself out of everything though if you think about it too much um you know talking about talk yourself out of walking down the road because you might get hit by a car it's everything's too much if you think about it too much like i i think um it's just sort of go go over and then realize actually it's it's okay like i'll I'm not fit enough at the start. I'll be fit enough by the end. If, if I don't know how to do it, then I'll learn how to do it. Like, um... And you are always, you're always kind of constantly in, in motion as well, moving on to the next thing or something mm-hmm. like this. So, you know, if one thing doesn't go right, there's kind of many, many miles of opportunity ahead of you. Yeah. But was that ever also a frustration in terms of not spending any particular extended period in a particular place i don't know if there's a frustration but yes yeah, certainly something that i would have loved to do is spend more time in in certain places um see things places deeper i went to this year i went to um i went to went climbing in in fontainebleau in france so fontainebleau is sort of um it's just south of paris in a big forest and it's the the best bouldering in the world and it's sort of where bouldering started and um, lots of people from all over the world are always there and it's got a lot of history and, and developed the culture of climbing and I went and spent two and a half months there and it was I wanted to spend a long time in one place um, to see that place m- more deeply and um, 
than just with a bike ride that was great in different ways um but you didn't get to see anywhere for more than like 10 minutes it's like seeing that place carry on and you and you see all these places and it's super cool but you didn't get to know anywhere you didn't you didn't get to know oh there's this other cool thing there or you can go around there and you see this or this person's there and yeah it's um it's different ways of seeing things i guess yeah um there was there's plenty of places i would would go back to and explore again um hundreds and hundreds of different different interesting cool places um and i'm sure there's there's thousands of things we we didn't see because we didn't and they might have been super amazing and special but they were sort of 10 meters that way and we didn't see them they were sort of tucked behind that wall and and we didn't see them um but that's that's not necessarily a loss but it's it would be lovely to go back to some of these places and discover some more of these things um because you can't you can't see everything on a trip like that it's sort of one of the compromises is you get to see lots of different things but you don't get to see lots of things in in detail and it's the thing with goals as well isn't it like you said that Anna kind of having the goal of getting to the end that's what carries you through but then also goals can can limit us in some ways as well because you have to keep moving towards the goal <laughs> yeah yeah I think we, we only had sort of 90 days in Europe because of um with a British passport that's all you can do these days and it's frustrating like oh this is stupid but at the same time um it's like it gives us this sort of focus it's like you've got to you got to keep going and you can't if we had an unlimited amount of time unlimited money or whatever then it's it's sort of we can spend forever doing it like and then you don't actually ever get there um sort of constraints like are are good sometimes they can make you interesting they can help you achieve things they can they can do a lot um when they seem like bad things not having enough money not having enough time not um i don't know something breaks you can only do it with this part of it um then yeah um you can do you can do a lot with them it's like life really isn't it we all know how it's going to end and that it will end um but we can choose what we do with it in the meantime <laughs> yeah for sure yeah i guess so <laughs> And do you feel like there's a kind of a pre-divide Jacob and a post-trip, post-divide Jacob? Um, I think I, I, I gained a confidence on the trip. Yeah, um, I didn't before. I, I was not so good at. I guess I wouldn't have committed to something so big. Or I did commit, but I wouldn't have easily. Now I'm like, yeah, I can, I can do, I can do anything, pretty much. Like, because, um, and and also, yeah, I, I gained a confidence in in just being able to go and speak to people, being able to, like, how do I do that? My bike's broken. I need to fix it. Uh, I have to hitchhike to a to a town because there's no buses or nothing, um, or I have to go in there and I don't speak that language and. We've got to work this out. Um, or it's like, where do I find water? Where do I find food? 
oh that shop was closed we need food tomorrow do we go off trail to this shop or do we plod on and hope for the best this way and in, i don't know like a lot of these things things going wrong how to fix the bike um how to do all these things um the decisions you make um uh i think i yeah i learned a lot i gained got confidence i um i can solve problems and um i can speak to people and stuff better than i could before um so that's certainly uh something i gained um from it and is that also informing your creative work moving forwards as well uh, i guess so yeah um I, yeah i sort of i I made this, I made the book of photos and, and was sort of like, oh yeah, I make a book. I made some tiny little ones before, but not being so ambitious. But I've sort of realized, and, and with this one, I, I was like, um, how am I going to get the book out? And I like sort of wrote a list and it was like, um, get it on bikepacking.com, make some podcasts, get it on Pink Bike and get it in The Guardian. And then I did all of those and I was like, oh, I know, I know, and, and have a little launch event for it. And I was like, I did all these things. They were super big in, in my head before that. It's going to, and then suddenly, like, actually realized I could have done 10 times that. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I didn't fail at any of them. So I didn't, clearly didn't aim high enough. Like, um, and yeah, so like, I guess that's, um, it's not about selling books, but it's about getting getting I guess getting art out into the world and and being ambitious and um telling a story um so yeah um and um yeah and it's realized like mate I can I can make these things I can do these things um some of these things aren't as big and 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 scary as they seem from the outside um so yeah so again, you are a hot ticket, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> and are you thinking um, currently kind of moving forwards with your work, what kinds of things are on the horizon or, or opening to you with your thoughts? Are you going to continue to kind of make work in different ways, um, in different media? Um, yeah, I just sort of, so I've got, I was in France and in, in Fontainebleau, and so I've got, whole bunch of photos from that that I'm going to turn into another sort of book or something um I haven't quite decided yet um but yeah I want to continue I I I I did filmmaking at college um but haven't really made that many films but that's certainly something I want to at some point do more of though filmmaking is like totally type two fun it's every <laughs> every aspect of making films is horrendous um, <laughs> until you finished it and then it's the best thing ever it's a thousand times better than and yeah but every aspect filming is stressful audio is stressful um finding music is the most dull days of your life just searching through thousands of songs and trying to get licenses and um it's it's super yeah but like once you've done it it's like 
this is this is amazing and then when people tell you they like what you've made then it's just like whoa and i think the difference you can make um the 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 attention to a story the um the impact you can have with a film is so much more certainly when you put it there's with with photos is I don't know, there's a limited attention span. But when you sit down and watch a film, you have that person's attention for 5, 10, 20, 30, an hour, two hours. And and generally people give a lot of that attention. Um, and I don't think you get that with much, many other things. Um, people will flick through a book, cool, it's nice, put it down. And they'll have a flick through it again later and, and whatever. Um, certainly... On the internet, you don't get the same attention. But also with a book, um, I either have to give that to someone or they have to buy it. Um, whichever way, there's a cost. And that cost is a barrier to them um, um, getting that story told to them. Whereas with a film, um, you can get it to a lot more people a lot more easily. Um, and yeah, I certainly think that things on on YouTube or the internet, like you can get hundreds of thousands of people told a story um, without, um, and, and yeah, and I think the impact can be quite amazing. I think you've got to be, you've got to be careful with, with what you're doing then, because if you've got these people's attention, you don't want to waste it. You don't want to, um, you don't want to sort of, do show them something that's not useful to them, not valuable to them, not um, entertaining to them um, or something. I think there's a lot of stuff on the internet these days that's just complete garbage. It's just sort of melts your brain a bit. It's like, it's it's not valuable. Like you've got this person's attention, like you need to respect it. Um, I think um, when you make things, it's got to, um, got to contribute to the culture. Um, and if it doesn't, then maybe you need to reconsider putting it out. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think filmmaking is something I want to do. Um, I just have to work out what I want to story I want to tell, and um, maybe I have to work with other people um, on doing it. Um, I don't know. Um, but yeah, maybe that's something I'm going to do. Um, maybe I'll make more podcasts. I quite quite like making them. Um, yeah, keep on thinking of ideas for them. But also, I'm a white man, so I feel slightly weird making more podcasts because it's too many <laughs> white men making podcasts. Um, but um, but yeah, I think again, it's, it's if uh, as if you're contributing positively to the culture, then it it can't be a bad thing. Um, yeah, as you say, it's an ethical and it's interesting the way that you framed making films. Again, it's the same with, well, with all media content, those ethical concerns of um, what I'm saying and what I'm putting out there, is it worth people's time? I mean, I'm putting time into it and energy, but is it worth other people's time? And there's a lot of brands and things. I mean, thinking off the top of my head, people like Patagonia who are using a lot more film making um in their content but it's very much from an educative sort of like um an ed educational perspective um and telling stories that that matter but then you see that used in ways that are 
perhaps not. Totally. There's so much stuff, all these TikToks and reels and stuff. And it's like, maybe it's sort of, maybe I'm, people would say I'm closed-minded, but I think just a lot of it is just, it's getting people's attention for the sake of getting people's attention. It's not getting people's attention um, to benefit them. Um, and maybe getting their attention to sell them a product is a good thing if you genuinely believe your product is 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 useful and and what they need um but if it's just i can sell this because i can sell this or get the attention to just to get the attention then it's not i think yeah i think this i think that's wrong basically um i think you're then you're stealing someone's time um and maybe they'll waste that time anyway but but maybe they won't maybe they can do something amazing with it maybe they can um yeah um i don't know but i think yeah i think you've got to be you've got to not waste people's time yeah and it's just perpetuating overconsumption. we talk about microplastics but it's also that kind of micro attention grabbing as well that people are not really able to self-censor in a way anymore because it's just there totally. so much yeah i think a lot of it is is the, the human brain works in a certain way and if you know the right tricks you can convince someone else's brain to do certain things they almost have no control over it because you're sort of pressing the right buttons to make the right things in that brain do these things and I don't like to say the person has no control over it, but they they almost have no control over it, and it, it sort of needs something. To, people need to go. Actually, it's what I'm doing is wrong. Like um, you're sort of manipulating someone outside of their control, and everyone would agree that that is wrong. Maybe a lot of people aren't seeing what they're doing as that, but um, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, a lot of certainly what these big tech companies are doing is 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 doing that. Um, I don't know. Um, I think we've just got to be careful. And I think a lot of us are, are sucked in by these things without us realizing, like, um, yeah. Mm, and we, we have to be intentional with what we produce and you, yeah. you were saying like that um you know you've dabbled in in podcasting and uh podcasting is very much about the art of questions and the kind of intentional questions that you ask I think it's about the art of listening as well oh I yeah think that's absolutely. something you, you're, you're good at and I'm not good at is listening it's like <laughs> to be able to catch the right to be able to hear and like I can I can listen to someone say something I know what they said but but I can sort of forget a bit and not really understand not not be able to ask that question that was like about that certain thing and link that to other bits they've said um yeah yeah it's something that I think you you learn a lot mm. and I think that I think podcasting has made me a better listener actually as well yeah. you can have this idea of where you want to take someone and what you want to ask but actually that's not about them it's about you and I really hate listening to those conversations where it's like I don't know now anything about the person who, who they're interviewing I know a lot about the interviewer and stuff that I don't really necessarily want to know um I, I know a lot about their ego but I don't know a lot about 
about the person and maybe I don't know whether that comes from you said about there being an oversaturated market and in, in white men making podcasts and that <laughs> that is not directed towards you or a lot of the men no, who are making but podcasts but but it's a manner of of being in a space and holding space for someone um and maybe that is a a, a feminine kind of trait rather than maybe a hardline masculine one and maybe somewhere in the middle is is what we can all learn from as well yeah, yeah something i think about is like actually do do we need another another white man putting putting podcasts photos films his opinion out into the world and like maybe we don't i think your content is 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 inclusive in a way like I said it has a very human characteristic and it's very generous in the way that it interacts with both your subjects and the audience and it's intentional in that sense so yeah I think yeah I think I think it's it's not that I shouldn't put out I need to just make sure I'm more thoughtful of what I do like don't put rubbish out that's gonna just suck people's brains and yeah <laughs> don't yeah make sure I try and yeah do the best I can um before I ask you my favorite question which I ask all my guests I'm just curious what your favorite question is if we were going to flip the tables <laughs> oh what's my favorite question oh um I don't know I don't know if it's my favorite when when I have a list of big questions somewhere from when I made my podcast but I can't remember them um maybe when when are you happiest and when are you least happy that is a good question so mine is mine is what does joy mean to you Jacob um maybe it's when when you get to that point where you're not thinking about the other things stressing what am I going to do then what am I um how am I going to do that oh oh I should be better at that I shouldn't I'm not good enough maybe it's when those it's almost a, a, a flow state of 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 yeah there's good stuff happening in your head um sort of a maybe a temporary um ignorance is bliss almost um I don't know maybe that's how I see it um yeah but yeah sort of that little bit of flow of um of things are good I'm not stressing I'm not worrying um I'm doing good stuff with good people um yeah maybe that's how I see joy I am so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.